Welcome to this week's podcast at Bergen Park Church from Evergreen, Colorado. We hope you enjoy this message, and if you'd like to hear any more or learn more about the church, please visit bergenparkchurch.org. Well, Christmas is Saturday, whether you're ready or not. And that means Friday, hopefully you'll gather with us. We have two services at 4.30 and 6 for our Christmas Eve service. We'd love to have you guys come on out. And let me say, after the Christmas Eve service, obviously the next Sunday after Christmas is Sunday. Next Sunday. Yeah, that was really brilliant. The next Sunday after Christmas is Sunday. Wow, that sermon's going to be good. And the point of that is we're going to have one service. Yeah, we're going to have one service. Woo, for us, yeah, because it's, anyways. And, and with that, so on the 26th and the 2nd, we're going to have one service, and we've been doing three services. You may not know, we have an 8 o'clock service, and we're going to be um, canceling the 8 o'clock service going into the next year. Uh, we really put that in place to give people a lot more space um, for COVID, to allow people to feel more comfortable, and so we're going to be suspending that um, begin now, immediately. We had it this morning, that was it. So if you missed the 8 o'clock, you can't do it. It's... it's that's going to be it. And then let me also share, on the Monday night, we're going to be airing our Christmas and Evergreen program. is available on YouTube. So as you guys gather together as families, you can share it on social media. You can share it out there in the community as you gather in homes. It'd be a great thing to be having it play in the background. We've taken the two services that we went through, uh, what was that, the 11th, and we put the best of it together. And so that's going to be available on the 20th on Monday night, which is tomorrow. If you don't know that Monday comes after, yeah, after Sunday. <laughs> Anyways, guys, Merry Christmas. We're so glad that you gathered with us today. Hey, if you want to grab a Bible, we're going to be in Luke uh, chapter 2, a pretty familiar passage. We've been going through the songs of Christmas and kind of like VH1, we're telling you the story behind the story behind the song. And we've looked at the song of Mary and we looked at the song of Zechariah. And today we're looking at the song of the angels. Now, the song of Mary is called the Magnificant. And Mary busts out as the angel comes and tells her that Jesus is going to be born. He's going to save the world. She's overwhelmed. She's a virgin. She's saying, what in the world's going on? She says, my soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. She busts out and the Magnificat. Now, Zechariah, he doesn't have the faith that Mary does initially, so he kind of questions. He's like, okay, wait a minute. How's this going to happen? What's going to go on? Zechariah gets struck dumb for about nine months. And then when John the Baptist is born, he busts out with... Um, What's it called? The Benedictus. You knew that. You guys knew that. You love that song. And, and that's what he sings. So it's kind of like Mary kicks it off as like a duet, Zachariah. So these are songs from earth to heaven. And then what happens when Jesus is born, the song from heaven to earth comes, which is the Gloria in Excelsis Deo, which is the song that we sing. So the angels come, and in verse 14 of chapter 2, they say, Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. With the announcement of Jesus' birth, the glory of God shines over all things where what was once dark becomes light. And the reason glory has come is so that it might bring, through Jesus, God might bring peace, peace on earth. And so we're going to look at that passage, what it means, and really dive into the fact that it's sometimes difficult at Christmas time to allow that peace to truly penetrate us, to allow the truth of the message of Christmas to settle into our hearts and our minds, even though we have the excitement of cantatas and music, even though we have presents and lights and all that stuff, it just doesn't do it to move the spirit to take us to a place of intimacy with God. So we're going to talk a little bit about why it's difficult for that to happen. 
Because see, the story and the song that the angels sing is that glory has come down so that peace may go out. That the purpose of glory coming down is so that peace may go out. So let's jump into the story and pick it up in verse 8. Luke chapter 2, verse 8. It's good to see you here. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the fields keeping watch over their flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them. The glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I give you good news of great joy. That will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloth and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angel went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying God and praising God for all that they had heard and seen as it had been told them. This is the word of the Lord. All thanks be to God. Father, as we gather this Sunday before we celebrate Christmas morning, Father, we'd ask by the power of the Spirit that indwells in us, that seals us, that guarantees that we are the children of God, that by which we cry out, Abba, Father. Through the Spirit of God, would you open our eyes to see, our ears to hear? Would we not just be gathering this morning as a group of people in this room, but gathering in the very presence of God, in the presence of God? of your truth, Father, and would you illuminate our minds and our hearts to awaken us to what is real, to the storyline of the gospel, the truth of the Messiah's coming, the King's birth, and would we, as is only right, surrender? And in our surrender, Father, would we just acknowledge who you are, love you, and trust you? Father, meet us here, we'd ask in Jesus' name. Amen. So glory to God in the highest. Now, the beauty is that when the shepherds are standing out in the fields keeping watch of their flocks by night, they got an amazing display. I cannot imagine what that was like. Bandamere, you got nothing. Angels showing up, a multitude of the heavenly hosts, whatever multitude, I don't know how many multitude is, it's, it's a lot, it's multiple, multiple tudes. And that's what the shepherds heard as they're, as they're out in the fields. And, and what are the shepherds doing in the fields? I mean, they're watching their flocks, but they're just a bunch of dirty guys out in the fields, and they're probably talking about what guys out in the fields talk about. They're not studying Scripture. They're not doing an exposition of Deuteronomy chapter 7 and praying. And They're just out in the fields, and suddenly this heavenly host, this glory of God shows up, and when the glory of God shows up, they were sore afraid. I like the old King James, sore afraid. We don't say that today. They were terrified because God's glory had come. And when God's glory comes, the result, the result can be that peace goes out. When God's glory comes down, peace goes out. The question is, what is 
What is the glory of God? When it says glory to God in the highest, then first of all, it means praise to God in the highest. Praise to God who is the highest of all highest. But see, the idea of glory is weight. That when God shows up, God is massive. And everything that, that's trying to c- claim allegiance on you or is trying to stand in opposition to God, when his glory comes, it has to fade. It has to go. It has to be pushed out. Because, see, God is beauty of beauties. He is majesty of majesty. He is goodness of goodness. He is glory of glories. And when the glory of God comes down, when, when you sense it on your heart and your mind, your emotions, when you worship him and you give praise to him, all other glories must fade. All other things must settle out. All other brokenness and darkness is pushed away. Because, see, the glory of God exposes all things. It reveals all things. And it is greater than all things. And see, what we need at this time of the year is we need the glory, the, the greatness of God to settle on us. Because see, only in the greatness of God do we find peace. Because see, what we do in this life is we find other weights that are heavier than God, but they don't match him. That's kind of what Christmas is about, consumerism, and kind of going out trying to find something beautiful, something that'll captivate us, something that'll bring peace to my home, peace to my kids, peace to my boss. We give gifts that have glory and have weight, but they're not gonna bring peace. Not the lasting peace that God wants. See, the glory that God wants for us is a glory that is permanent, that settles on us, that overwhelms us, that changes us, and allows us to go out into the world with peace. The challenge is, that peace that God gives us, it's, it's, it's something we have to wrestle for. It's something we have to bring in. It's something that we have to allow to settle on us. Because here's the truth. Here's the story. If we jump back into this passage, if you look down in verse 15, when the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go to Bethlehem to see this thing that has happened that the Lord has made known to us. So the shepherds, the shepherds received the angels, but what have we received? And the truth is, we've received shepherds. Though the message of Jesus' birth came to the shepherds through the voice of angels, and again, I think angels are hard to ignore. They're probably good communicators. Glorious and beautiful, overwhelming. I mean, no one can fall asleep in the back pew when the angels but you can when the shepherds show up. Have you thought about that? This message was so important, it had to come through the voice of angels, but it came to shepherds, and shepherds were the ones who brought it out to the world. And as soon as the angels spoke, they said, hey, we gotta do it. I mean, the application of the angels' message was easy. We're doing it. Let us go see this thing that the angels, that God had told us about, and then verse 16, they went. And they went, notice they said they obeyed immediately. They went with haste. And they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, notice what they did. They made known. They made known. The saying that had been told them. That's how the gospel goes out concerning this child. And see, the results in verse 18 of those who heard the shepherds was quite a bit diminished compared to the way the shepherds respond to the angels. The shepherds respond in praise, worship, they're overwhelmed, they're terrified, but in verse 18, everybody who heard the shepherds, they, they wondered. Maybe some believed, maybe some didn't, some trusted, some ignored it, what the shepherds told them. You know, shepherds are not impressive 
in Jesus' day. They are the lowly. In some ways, they're those who are far from God. They were not allowed to give testimony in a court of law. They were not allowed to hold public office. Listen, they weren't allowed to go to worship at the temple. They were seen as dirty. They were seen as thieves. They were seen as outcasts. Many people would not buy things from shepherds because shepherds would often steal from their masters and sell what they had. And so shepherds were on the outside, and so the angels come to those who cannot come to God. That's the nature of our God, isn't it? That we who dwell in darkness, we can't produce light. The light has to come into the darkness. And the light didn't show up to the intellectuals. It didn't show up to the elite. It didn't show up to the religious. And when the religious got it, like Zachariah, what did they do? They doubted. it. It's the Marys. It's the shepherds. It's those that even when the religious get it, you know when they go to find out about it, they go at night, Nick at night. I know. Nicodemus goes at night. Go read the passage. It's in John 3. It's... Why? See, the, the shepherds, they, they get it. But see, here's the thing. Here's the thing about shepherds. When the shepherds went and they saw Jesus and they saw Mary and they saw Joseph and they worshiped and it was an, a powerful experience, when they went back to the fields, they were still shepherds. It's not like the community suddenly went, wow, these guys are significant. Your voice matters. You're influential. You have glory. You know what? They looked at him and they said, you got nothing. And we're going to believe this message from you? Who do you think you are? Do you know how God so often uses the lowly and the weak to shame the strong? He uses the foolish. He uses the sinful and the broken to shame the wise. That God shows up in glory through the angel to the shepherds to remind them, to show them the truth of what, what he has done, but then he brings shepherds to take that message out into the world and see, we are, we are those shepherds, I think. Maybe we're not. <laughs> Sermon's over. It's terrible. It's not going real well. Sorry, guys. Oh, man. I got to look at my notes now. Oh, yeah. Christmas, it's hard to receive the message. Because I think we have so many biases and prejudices, you know, and it takes a lot to receive that, that message. It doesn't come by angels. It comes by shepherds. And so Mary is the example of how we need to receive it. Because see, Mary received an angel, but she also heard from the shepherds. And in verse 17, we get a picture of, of what it means and what it looks like to take that message of Christmas and bring it in. Watch in verse 19, two things that Mary does. She treasures, it says, but Mary treasured all these things. She took that message, she took the reality of what the angel said, and she pondered them in her heart. See, Mary didn't just hear the message, Mary was transformed by the message, but it took work. That's what, the, that's what it's saying is that she heard it, she saw it, she experienced it, but then she had to ponder it. She had to sit in it. She had to treasure it. She had to, she had to savor it. Now, to ponder, first of all, is kind of an intellectual exercise. It means to look at something and look at something to such an extent that you see the details. It means to meditate. It means to chew on, to allow it to penetrate into the heart, to allow the light of God's truth to begin to search and to allow it to know you that Mary had to intellectually take it in. She had to wrestle with it. 
She had to throw her doubts alongside it because I'm certain that Mary had her own doubts and you have your doubts and you've got to take those doubts and you've got to cast them alongside what God's saying. You've got to allow the light and you've got to allow your mind to begin to, to chew over it. As Paul says, whatever's true, whatever's noble, whatever's right, whatever's pure, whatever's lovely, whatever's admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. We are transformed by the renewing of our minds. We have to ponder. But if all you do is ponder and it just gets stuck up here and you do not learn to treasure, the message might, might be good news, but it may not, it not, may not bring a new heart. Because the treasure means to savor, to treasure means to sit in, to treasure means to allow your emotions, your feelings, your thoughts to begin to be captivated, to allow the truth of the good news to kindle fire under your heart that ignites glory for God. Mary heard it, she saw it, but she had to allow it to sit, to change her. And I think as we go through this Christmas season, there's a lot of glory around us, there's a lot of false stories, there's a lot of weight but if we don't allow the message of what Christ has done, the truth of his incarnation, that God is with us, that his love has been incarnate, love incarnate, love divine, if we don't ponder it, if we don't sit in it, if we don't dwell on it, if we don't rejoice in it, it's not gonna change us. Because it's not enough just to be a hearer, right, of the word, but a doer also. And Jesus talked about it. He said, listen, guys, it's great that you're listening to me right now. But if you don't allow that soil, if you don't allow it to sink, if it's just on the surface, you know what's gonna happen? Your circumstances, your cares, they're gonna overwhelm you. And the message is, itself will die out. See, the reason I think Christmas can be difficult for us to fully receive is it takes energy, it takes thought, it takes devotion, it takes meditation. We have to allow it to change us. And the problem is it comes through shepherds. Now, if that's the glory of God that's come down and he's come to give us peace and we have to meditate on it, what is the peace and who receives that peace? Because see in verse 10, in verse 10 it says, and when the angel said to them, fear not for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. The first idea is that this news, it's available to all. But in verse 14, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those, among those, with whom he is pleased. Some translations say peace upon those with whom his favor rests. That though the message of peace is available to all of us, not all of us will receive that peace. But only those upon whom his favor rests. Now what's God's favor? It means his grace. That the message of peace, it goes out to all through Jesus, but the reality, the experience of peace only goes to those who surrender to his grace. Only those, it goes to those who recognize why Christ has come and what he's given us. See, the peace that Jesus offers us is not a peaceful, easy feeling that I know you won't let me down because I'm already standing on the ground. It's not whatever that is, you know. It means the war is over. It's, it's when somebody announces the war is over. Peace is here. Because see, the fact of God's glory, this is what's heavy. When God's glory shows up, it's beautiful, it's majestic, it overwhelms you, but it shows you that you're at conflict with God. When the glory of God shows up, what it does, and I hate this part, it exposes me. And it says to me, Jason, you're not king. Jesus is king. 
And his life, death, and resurrection shows me that my kingdom and my ways and, and trying to live out of my kingdom, it's not gonna work. Christ is king. And when he comes and his glory comes, it exposes that reality that I want to be king. I wanna hold on to my kingdom. See, that's what Adam and Eve did when they disobeyed God. They said, listen, God, we're not up for your definition of right or wrong. We're not up to surrendering to you, to worshiping you, to putting you as the weightiest thing in my life. I wanna be the weight in my life. I want to be weighty. I want to determine what is right and wrong. I want to determine what is best. I want to be king over my own kingdom. And when the glory of God comes, it says his kingdom is supreme. And no other kingdoms can rival the coming king. And the peace that God offers us is the peace that says the war is over. And grace comes to say, hey, will you surrender? Will you surrender to his kingdom? Because see, in Romans chapter 5, verse 1, here's how Paul captures how he captures that reality. He says, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, means, that means to be accepted by God, by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. When the glory of God shows up, we realize there has been a conflict between us and God. Christmas means that on the basis of the grace of God, peace is now available to those who are willing to surrender who are willing to say to him, I need you as my king, I need you as my savior, I need you as my God. I'm tired of being king. I'm tired of setting up my own kingdom and expecting everyone else to fall in line. See, when the peace of God goes out, it goes out to those who are willing to surrender to God's grace, who by faith will adopt Jesus as, as their king. And then finally, the final reality that we see is that when the glory of God comes down and the peace of God goes out, and now we have peace with God through faith in what Christ has done. Fear should begin to diminish. Now, this is where we have to start applying what we believe. Because if you look back in verse 9, it says, The angel of the Lord appeared to the shepherds. And again, the weight of the Lord, the glory of the Lord, the heaviness of the Lord shone around them. And they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. When the angels show up, as humans do, fear fills their heart. And in fact, it says great fear because in the Greek, it's this word megaphobic. Phobio, phobic is fear. Mega is to magnify. They were magnified with fear. <laughs> Why? Because suddenly their little kingdoms got exposed. In the presence of the king, in the presence of the might of the king, their independence, their rebellion, their ugliness, right? That darkness in the heart, as the light comes, it, get, it gets exposed. But notice what the angel says, fear not for behold, I'm bringing something to you that should begin in your life if you ponder it, if you meditate on it, it should start eradicating fear. Now this is where we have to apply the message of Christmas almost daily in our lives. And I'm, behold, I'm giving you something that if you allow it to, to come into you, it's going to begin to eradicate fear. Now realize, from the beginning, when God showed up, except early on in the garden when Adam and Eve were in this right relationship with God, there was no place for fear. Because when you have perfect love and perfect acceptance and perfect trust, there's no fear. Because what do we fear? We fear rejection, we feel failure, we fear the future. But see, when the love of God was with Adam and Eve, there was no fear because they were right with God, they were right with each other, they trusted God. Fear is evidence that we don't, we don't trust him. Because we're afraid of rejection, we're afraid of failure, we're afraid 
of the future. But see, in the perfect love of God, that fear begins to cease. And here's kind of why that fear comes over us. Imagine for a moment that you're at a Christmas party, and for I don't know why you do this, you decided to impersonate a neurosurgeon just to make things interesting. And you, maybe you studied neurology back in college or junior college, so you know enough just to fool a few people. But imagine for a moment if a real neurosurgeon suddenly shows up. Someone says, hey, Jason's a neurosurgeon. Why don't you come meet doctor, whatever. What happens in the presence of someone who is truly a neurosurgeon? I'm going to get found out. I'm going to get exposed. Well, that's what the glory of God does. You're not king. You can't control your life. You can't determine the future. I am king. Because see, I think at the depths of our heart, what we begin to believe is we start to trust the lie. And the lie is, I will not be happy unless I control my life. I will not find peace unless I determine how my desires will be fulfilled. I will not find happiness unless I am king of my own kingdom. And the message of the gospel is the reality that only in Christ, only in the true king, will that peace come. And so what is the message that brings peace? What is the message that overwhelms our fears? It's in verse 11. What's the solution? The solution that calms our fears, that allows us to trust him, is the message that unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Three words. The one who is born is Savior, he is King, and he is God. All of us are looking to something to save us. I mean, whether you're religious or not, that's the nature of being human. It means to be dependent. And we're looking out at the world to find something that will rescue us, something that will redeem us, something that will save us. And see, this one that is born in Bethlehem is our redeemer. He is our savior. He is our rescuer. And yet our rescuer didn't come into the world to condemn the world. Because if he did, he'd come as a warrior Come as a king with a sword. No, he came into the world not to condemn but to save. He came as a child. He became one of us. The way his power and his kingdom shows up is in weakness. It shows up in humility. It shows up in a way that fearful people can relate to. It shows up as something we identify with. So if he is Savior, he's the only one that can rescue us. He is king. His kingdom shows up in weakness. It shows up in humility. It shows up in love, but see, it's, he's also Lord. And what that means is he is God. In the Greek, it's the word kurios. In the Old Testament, that's how the word Yahweh, the covenant name for God, is how it was translated into Greek. This Savior is king, but he's also God. And how has he expressed his kingdom towards you? Think about why don't we trust God? What else does he have to do to prove he's worthy to be trusted. See, in my own kingdom, if I trust in my kingdom, then I gotta trust in me getting it right and me not being rejected and me not being a failure and me having it together. But see, when I surrender my kingdom to God's kingdom and God came into a way that I could identify with, I could experience his humility and becoming man allowed me to see his majesty, his love. He did not come into the world to condemn me, but to save the world through, me, uh, through him. 
when I recognize who he is, what that allows me to do is to simply start to trust him, to ponder, to meditate, to realize, what am I afraid of? Because see, behind your fear is a false savior. Behind your fear is a false savior. There's something you're looking to, something you're trusting to that you're saying, you've got to rescue me, you've got to be king. If you're not king, you're going to be anxious. That anxiety is rebellion, isn't it? It's saying, I need this king, I need this king, I need this kingdom. And what he's saying through his son and through the cross is that we can trust him, we can surrender to him, we can rely on him, but we've got to ponder and we've got to treasure what Christ has done. We've got to allow that message not just to be in our minds, but to descend into our hearts. I don't know if you've done that. Maybe you've never done that in, in terms of your life, of giving your life to Christ, which simply means to ask the Father to accept you on the basis of the Son. That's what the gospel is. God, accept me because of what Jesus Christ has done. I'm not coming to you with anything in my hands. I'm simply trusting you. And so, Father, accept me through Jesus and Jesus alone. That's the story of salvation. And yet, the way we come to faith, hear this, is the way you grow in your faith. That every challenge you experience, you do the same thing. Father, accept me through Jesus. Not because he hasn't accepted you, but because you're facing another king. You're facing another kingdom. You're facing fear. And you've got to surrender in that moment. Say, God, i got to trust you. And if the cross isn't enough, if the incarnation isn't enough, if the resurrection isn't enough, God, forgive me. I believe, but help my unbelief. And maybe this Christmas season, with whatever fears or challenges or small kingdoms that you're facing, that's the prayer that you need to pray. Father, I believe. Father, I believe. But help, help my unbelief. Allow the truth of what you've done. Allow it, allow it to change me. We're going to end by celebrating communion together. I hope you grabbed the elements when you came in. If you didn't, no problem. We got you covered. Those elements are available in the back. They're also available in the front. And so we want to take a moment, and I need to grab them as well. And really, this is an opportunity for us to acknowledge our need before God. That whatever the Lord has brought up in the time that we've gathered today, whether it's through the song, it's through the message, it's through the word, just in silent prayer and confession, just to acknowledge, acknowledge that we need him. That our Father is here in the Spirit right now. The Spirit right now is calling out, Abba, Father. Abba, Father. In my fear, Father, in the place of darkness that we walk through in this life, the darkness could not overcome the light. And in Jesus, it's only in the light that we get exposed and only in our being exposed is there freedom. Because, Father, you fully see us and through the cross, Father, you fully love us. And so we just acknowledge, Father, accept us on the basis of Jesus and Jesus alone. With the message, with the message of the King and the message of his kingdom, the Messiah coming to the world, would it, would it ignite faith? Would it ignite trust? As we acknowledge the depths of your love and the degree, Father, to which you would pursue us. That on the night in which Jesus was betrayed, he took, he took bread, he broke it and gave thanks. 
said, take and eat, for this is my body, which, which is broken for you. Let us receive it together. in my blood. Let us receive it. 